This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Joining us before we get to that, Aaron O'Toole leading the CPC out of the wilderness, so to speak, uh, given that the prime minister has been uh, fairly successful in, I guess, uh, enticing many people to adopt. It's almost inevitable, this social welfare state, if you will, uh, the broadening of that with all kinds of programs like CERB and then the, the recently announced uh, expansion of EI and recovery programs and so on and so forth. Uh, so where does that auger for the future? Let's find out. Ian Lee has joined us on the line, Associate Prof at Carleton University in the Sprott School of Business. Ian Lee, always a pleasure to have you on The Oakley Show. Good afternoon. Uh, good afternoon. My pleasure, John. So tell me about uh, the prospects. First of all, uh, I guess, you know, this is the political season or about to be with the prorogation ending sometime in late September. Right. They're going to think big. Uh, are you sort of uh, seeing perhaps that there will be an expansion of the social welfare system? I uh, follow and I track. I lived in Ottawa. I've lived in Ottawa all my life. I did my Ph.D. in public policy, actually, and, and I study these things all the time, and I watch very closely the um, the um, press releases and the speeches. I actually read the speeches of the prime minister of the day, uh, whoever is the prime minister uh, at the time, because uh, that person is the most powerful person in Canada, and they announce and set the policy framework for the government of Canada. And I've read and uh, read very closely the speeches of the prime minister, and I watch the news, of course, every night, and I read the Globe and Mail and the Financial Post and the Sun and National Post and so forth. And um, I think it is very clear that the prime minister, I don't think he's bluffing on this at all. I think he's absolutely clear um, that he wants to very, very substantially um, enhance not just EI. I think that'll be the centerpiece the crown jewel, if you will, from his point of view. But he wants to, I think he's looking for a legacy, and I think he wants to really revamp the social welfare state with a rolling CERB, as they've already announced, into EI with a very, very substantial expansion of EI. They've said it's temporary, but I think I am predicting they will make those those three additions that allow part-time people and uh, gig people, temporary people, and self-employed people to um, uh, draw EI, and I think that surrounding that, they're going to announce a, um, a daycare program, uh, an elder care program, um, a pharma care program, which they campaigned on in the last election, and um, and every premier has been on CBC Power and Politics in the last two weeks. Every premier of this country has been on there at the very top of their list. We need a lot more money in health care. Now, on you know any one of these. I completely understand. I'm not against any of these. It's just that each of these social programs I've just mentioned are really seriously expensive. PBO, Parliamentary Budget Office, not me, the PBO, said a fully funded pharmacare program will be between 25 and $40 billion a year, year after year. Daycare can run into the billions and billions. Healthcare, I mean, that's just, a, you know, that's just going to take up huge amounts more. So my point is, we're already 350 billion in the ditch. Okay, it's going to go back down somewhat because people are returning to work. But you add these on, uh, these programs on. I mean, they could add on another hundred to 200 billion dollars a year easily. And on and and what I'm worried about, John, is I'm really worried about this. You know, all kinds of people come out, and I'm sure a liberal MP will say this. Oh, don't worry, interest rates are really, really, really low. And it's gonna, we're going to get the money almost for free. 
And the government's in great shape because we're one of the least indebted at the federal level of the G7, which is true, by the way. Mm -hmm. So, hey, no problem. But that implies that our fiscal situation remains fixed, locked, static. But if you run up the deficit to four or five hundred billion dollars a year, that's 25 percent of Canada's GDP, and you add it year after year after year, then your situation is changing. In other words, you're shifting. What I'm worried about is right now the markets have been very soft. They haven't rebelled or, or screamed at the deficit because they think it is temporary. They perceive it to be temporary. The CIBC chief economist made this argument in a very compelling research note last week. And they're not reacting or getting uh, excited because they see the deficit as temporary. What if the markets, currency markets, investment markets, bond markets, start to understand, no, this isn't temporary. It's going to become structural, which is the right. big fancy word for permanent. Mm -hmm. That's the problem Paul Martin had in 1995. He went down to New York City to the bond market, and they said, no way, Jose. You are running up huge deficits. You have no plan to end the deficits. The debt is getting bigger and bigger every year because you're adding the deficit to the debt. So you have permanent structural deficits that are getting worse and worse and worse, and we're not buying your bonds because you are a deadbeat. I and mean, you're I'm suggesting, being colorful here. I'm being colorful to make my point. Well, your point is well taken. As a matter of fact, uh, you're saying we're close to a tipping point, and there may be something to nudge us over the edge. I mean, the debt is a pro, uh, approaching $1 trillion. I guess that's federally. I mean, provincially, yeah. we've also got that millstone around our neck. But yeah. uh, the deficit is the number that you were citing at $350 billion. But, you know, it's interesting when you said this is all going to be very expensive, all these programs. Does austerity even mean anything anymore? It gets... It seems to me in that uh, in many ways, these programs that you're intimating, uh, you hear are in the pipeline, we've already been groomed for uh, accepting these through the pandemic. Would you agree? Yes, I do. I do. And we've lost sight of the fact that, sure, there's lots of things that are nice to have in this world. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm being a bit flippant, but I mean, I'd love to have a Porsche. OK, I really would. I don't own a Porsche. I've never owned a Porsche. I never will own a Porsche because I am just absolutely not capable of affording a Porsche. It would be lovely. I would love one, but I'm not going to get one because I've got to live and cut my cloth accordingly. I got to live within my means. You know, and I know people, you know, some economists will say governments aren't like people. Well, yes and no. Even governments have an outer limit. Bob Ray said so on CBC Power and Politics two months ago. He said the government of Canada is not an ATM machine. Now, if a liberal, a liberal liberal called Bob Ray can say that, and he was endorsed by Jean Charest, the former liberal premier of Quebec and the former liberal premier of B.C., you know, then you got to think, hey, maybe there are limits even to very large governments like the government of Canada. And just very quickly, John, about the financial cri the potential crisis. I'm not predicting one tomorrow morning or six months from now. What I'm saying is, I don't mean, though, 10 or 20 years away either. I'm saying that when the markets start to realize that, and it could be in a year or two years, when that, if you're putting $500 billion on a year, that means a, billion, a trillion deficit this year is a $1.5 trillion deficit next year, and two years from now it's a $2 trillion deficit. So it doesn't take very long for the markets to realize this is going very badly in the wrong direction. And how they can punish us is they can do things like drive down the currency, the Canadian dollar. I remember I went to California on sabbatical in 2001 
just at the tail end of our financial crisis, the dollar had gone down to 58 cents. And it makes imports of food very expensive. So for those who say, oh, it's just all theory, no, no, no. This affects our pocketbooks. The bond markets can say, we're not buying your bonds. Investors can say, you know what? We're not going to invest money to build new factories, you know, General Motors plants or, or Ford plants in this country because, you know, you're just a bad place to do business. You're too high risk. We'll go to a better place where there's better opportunities. So the business markets, they can't tell the prime minister what to do, but they can act with their money, and they can walk away. They, it's sometimes called a capital flight, a flight where the money leaves because they want to go somewhere else where they can have, there's better opportunities. And I'm, I'm saying we've got to start thinking about this because we cannot run up deficits of a third of a trillion or a half a trillion indefinitely into the future. And if he adds on these social programs, even some of the ones I've rhymed off, it's going to be massively expensive. And people who think that this is going to be free, we pay for unemployment insurance through our premiums. And this is going to require a massive increase in our premiums. And I think that we're going to see a very serious increase in our HST taxes. Even though the prime minister is denying it, there's no free lunch in this world. And these programs are massively, massively expensive. We are all going to pay through higher HST, higher EI premiums on our paychecks, and and higher personal income taxes. Yeah, not only are we going to pay, but also uh, we'll be mortgaging our children's future for this vanity project that may just be, uh, as you say, the legacy. The Just Society 2.0, I think, is maybe what he's trying to achieve. Ian, we take it all under advisement. I always appreciate your involvement here in the program. Look forward to talking again. Stay well. Thanks very much, John. Thanks. You got it. Ian Lee, Sprott School of Business at Carleton University. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.